sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to break down the world of NFL and NFL betting for you with, I can't, I don't know if I want to, well, exactly what I want to call him, Lawrence Presman, my good friend. I don't know if I'm going to call him that. The guy drives me nuts. My co-host. Yeah, I do a daily show uh, with Prez. I usually have him on here about once a year. Because that's all I can handle. Uh, but one thing I will say, Lawrence is very knowledgeable about the NFL. And I'm looking forward to sharing his thoughts and getting his thoughts on which teams you want to be betting on, which teams you want to be betting against, how to approach late September football, what his surprises are, what stats matter, etc., etc. So should be a good, detailed discussion with Lawrence Presman on today's show at Prez Wager Talk on Twitter. But I want to open talking about the elite teams of the NFL. Look, in college football right now, there are three teams, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, who are literally, doesn't matter where they play, home, road, neutral, doesn't matter who they play, as long as they're not playing each other. But Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State in college football, they're all going to be favored by more than a touchdown in every single game that they're in until they face each other. Doesn't matter if they're facing USC, Oklahoma, Michigan, Clemson, anybody. Those three teams, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, have essentially lapped the field when it comes to college football power ratings. In the NFL right now, there's a pair of teams that have essentially lapped the field. Look, the Bills are a field goal better than anybody in my power ratings. You know, um, and we'll see how it plays out in Miami this week, but win or lose. Even if they lose that game, I'm not going to downgrade Buffalo three points. They're still going to be well ahead of everybody else. Now, the injuries are starting to mount for the Bills. That is a concern. We may be downgrading them as the season progresses. But right now, i got the Bills a field goal better than anyone. And I have KC, the Chiefs, a field goal better than the number three team. You know, Chiefs not a team with a whole lot of weaknesses on either side of the football. So Buffalo and Kansas City are at the top, just the way that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are at the top in college football. Then we start asking ourselves... Who is the third best team in the NFL? And that's a really interesting question, a really interesting discussion. My powering numbers have a bunch of team, uh, a bunch of teams that are kind of bunched up right there after the Bills and the Chiefs. You can make an argument for the LA Chargers as the third best team in the NFL. Except for that, Keenan Allen's hurt, Justin Herbert's hurt, and the Herbert injury, when you talk about the ribs. Uh, where there's a cartilage tear in the rib, that's going to hurt all year. All right, that's not something that Herbert's going to be feeling better in a month or two. He's going to be feeling worse in a month or two. I'm not putting the Chargers at number three right now, not with their, you know, the issues that they have at quarterback and wide receiver. So you say, what about, the, what about the Rams? Maybe the Rams. I'm not convinced Stafford's arm is back. All right? I mean, uh, we'll talk about L.A. later in the show. I do think there's a some upside with the Rams, but right now, Team with a little bit of Super Bowl hangover, yet to cover a point spread, blown out by Buffalo. I'm not calling the Rams the third best team in the league. How about Tampa Bay? You know, hey, the, Tom Brady and the Bucks, 
you looked at their injury report, <laughs> they've got cluster injuries all over the offense. Brady's looked old, flat out. You know, and Brady's smashing the tablets on the sidelines. I understand their defense is good. Tampa's not the third best team in the league. Miami, they're the hot team of the week, right? The Dolphins, whoa, what a fourth quarter comeback against Baltimore. And it was very impressive. Of course, one thing that you never see in the highlights is that the Ravens, by the fourth quarter of last week, were missing their top three players in the secondary, all of whom were hurt, and Miami took advantage. Don't forget, the Dolphins' offense has scored a grand total of two touchdowns in the first six quarters of the season. Their defense gave up 8.8 yards per play last week. Yeah, I understand they scored a bunch of touchdowns late, but Miami's not my third best team. The Packers? What about Green Bay? They looked good last week, right, against Chicago. You seen their receiving core? <laughs> Does Aaron Rodgers have chemistry with that receiving core? Did you see the defense get picked apart week one? No, I don't have the Packers as number three. Baltimore. Yeah, the Ravens are coming. Lamar Jackson looked brilliant last week. But <laughs> he was the only one. And when you have multiple starters in the secondary hurt and your offensive line has injuries all over the place, no, Baltimore's not the third best team in the league. Cincinnati? Oh, they're 0-2 right now. they got to win a game before we start looking at Cincinnati as one of the top teams in the league. You know, the offensive line that was rebuilt hasn't exactly looked like a rebuilt offensive line. It's looked like a bottom-tier offensive line so far. Can't put Bengals there. The Niners, that's the team, right? The Niners, they just lost their starting quarterback for the season. And the odds went in their favor. Betters poured money in. The wise guys pouring money on San Fran to win the division, to win the NFC. All the odds for the 49ers got better <laughs> after Trey Lance got hurt. But let's not forget they spent the entire offseason designing an offense. This isn't Mike McDaniel's offense from last year. McDaniel is in Miami now. And they spent the whole offseason designing an offense. For a guy that's not going to be there, now they have a second-tier starter. My choice isn't San Fran. Could it possibly be the Philadelphia Eagles that we saw look so dominant on Monday night? Just maybe Philadelphia, the third-best team in the NFL? I'll tell you what. In my power ratings, the Eagles are the third-best team in the NFL. Nothing but upside for Philly. And the markets aren't quite there yet. The Prez, when we come back, coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM, channel 159. And I can't say I bring this guest in all the time. I feel like about once a year feels about right for uh, the president myself to do a show right here on Sports Grid because I do a show with him every single weekday, you know, at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern. I see plenty of Prez. He sees plenty of me, and generally we're sick of each other <laughs> by the weekends. Prez, Lawrence Presman, welcome to the program, my friend. Uh, once a year I have you on. This is the week. Welcome. To cover it. Well, Teddy, I'm excited to be here, and congratulations on the show, man. Uh, awesome stuff. And yes, you are right. I am sick of you. Uh, we do a show called Wager Talk today every day. You can find it on our YouTube channel, Wager Talk TV. 
Uh, 45-minute show. It's awesome. Uh, it's considered the best daily sports betting show on the planet. And frankly, it's just enough of you. So let's get this one on the road so I don't have to hear your voice for much longer. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. We call it uh, Sports Central for Gamblers every day. Again, uh, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. for me on the left coast. You can catch that on Wager Talk TV. But, Prez, let's start with this. NFL September. Do you have any overarching themes? Is there stuff that you're trying to bet on or against early? I know for me personally, I always look at September NFL as being, I want to be betting on good teams for the markets realize how good they are. I want to be betting against bad teams for the markets realize how bad they are. And that's my basic overall September strategy, an overarching strategy. Um, do you got a strategy like that or anything that you look to do, or is it just one game at a time, one week at a time in the NFL? You know, Teddy, it's funny. For me, uh, me and you are very opposite. Um, I usually start the NFL slowly. I struggle in September, and I do my best work in November and December. Um, what I'm really trying to do in September is look at totals. Uh, you, you know, most of the side bets, start coming in towards uh, late September, early October. But I'm really looking at total betting uh, in the first month of the NFL. And like you, Teddy, the big thing for me is to stay away from really bad teams. I, you know, I, 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 put it, I put down a list of here are five worst teams in the league, for instance, Chicago Bears, and I'm looking to bet against them, not off them. The most important part, though, is you've got to make that adjustment coming into, say, week four. So right now, we're going into week three, and I'm still betting my preseason assumptions. Chicago is bad. Carolina will play to the under. New Orleans will play to the under. New England will play to the under, etc. After this week, I'm starting to actually to account this season's um, what's happened this season and make the shift because long sometimes I mean every year I'll put four or five bad teams aside and every year one or two of those teams are much better than I expected so for me I'm looking at betting total I'm looking at betting against the worst teams in the league looking to make my adjustments after week three yeah, so, I mean, there's a team that I had on my bet against list coming into September that I've already taken off that list. Uh, that team's the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a team that looked much better than I thought they would in each of their first two games, even though they've lost both of those squads. Will you make an adjustment like that? Because I had Atlanta, you know, it was big time. I'm like, this is a fade-only team, and two weeks into the season, I'm like, maybe you make money with Atlanta. Uh, because certainly in the trenches, the Falcons look better than expected, and Mariota has looked like a solid veteran QB so far. It's not like they're going to win a whole lot of games, but from a point spread value standpoint, uh, I look at Atlanta, one team that I've already changed my opinion on. Are there any teams that you've already changed your opinion on in terms of the very worst teams in the NFL? Or you're going to wait until after week three before you make that adjustment. Yeah, so, so I'm with you on Atlanta. They were a bet against team coming into the season. And I was also looking at Jacksonville as a bet against team coming into the season. I have now moved both Atlanta and Jacksonville to 
don't bet on their games for week three <laughs> as I then figure out what the adjustment I need to make is. So I'm not going all the way with you. I haven't moved Atlanta and Jacksonville from bet against to bet on. I've moved them from bet against to ignore. Yeah, or bet against to neutral. And that's that's an appropriate adjustment. And certainly for the Falcons this week, at plus three in Seattle, I'm interested. At plus one or pick them in Seattle, not right. so much. I don't know that I want to ask Atlanta to actually win ball games. All I want them to do is ask them to hang tough in some of these contests. So, uh, I mean, again, we're just a couple weeks into the season, but biggest surprises for you. Give me a positive and a negative surprise for me. Uh, I mean, you know, Indy being as bad as they are certainly stands out. Atlanta's better than I thought they were. Cincy's awful start uh, has stood out to me as being uh, a surprise, a major surprise. I did not expect the Bengals to be 0-2 to open the season, um, especially because they were favored in both of those uh, first two games. Anyone stand out to you, a positive, a negative, uh, talk about an early season surprise. And when you have an early season surprise, do you flip on them or do you go neutral on them? You know, you turn from a team that you like to a team that you're going to bet against, or, or you just say, hey, maybe let's tap the brakes and we'll leave this team alone for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so let's start with the surprise. Look, I, I am surprised at how good the Philadelphia Eagles are. Now, I expected this team to be good, and I expected this team to be competing with the NFC East, if not a wild card position. But I didn't realize how good they truly are. Uh, the game against Minnesota really showed us that this is a team that has just a very well-balanced offense. And when I look at well-balanced offense, it's not about I run the, you know, they run the ball 30 times, they throw the ball 30 times. It's also about where are they running the ball? How are they throwing the ball? You've got Jalen Hurts throwing wheel routes, screen passes, slants, long bombs down the field. And then you've got their defense and their secondary is smothering right now. So although I knew Philadelphia was good coming into the season, I did not think they were that good. As for teams that I am uh, that I am disappointed in, and I'd, I'd rather use the word disappointed because when you look at Indianapolis, Teddy, we must remember a bunch of stuff. Number one, they have a new system in play. They have a new quarterback. Um, Michael Pittman uh, was not in the game last week. Their O-line on paper is potentially one of the best in the league. Yet here they are going into week three as a complete disaster. What I'd like to tell people about Indianapolis is be careful. We've seen this story play out before. I, although I'm disappointed in Indianapolis, I actually think they are a bet on team moving forward. And I'm also surprised. At Arizona, I'm surprised at Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are, came into this season in a division where starting off 0-2 is going to put them back a ton. And that's what they did. Um, so I'm disappointed in Las Vegas. I'm disappointed in Arizona. I'm disappointed in Indianapolis. I'm extremely surprised at how good Philly is. And I would argue they might be the best team in the entire NFC. Well, at the top of the show, sounds like you were listening to my open there, Prez. At the top of the show, I was talking about uh, going through team after team. Who's the third best team in the NFL behind Buffalo uh, and Kansas City? And after eliminating a whole bunch of teams, I ended up with Philly as my yeah. number three team in the league. And uh, again, it's September. 
all right? Well, we're not talking about uh, December, all right? It's still early. And Philly only scored 24 uh, on Monday night against Minnesota. But uh, every dollar bet on the Eagles by sharp bettors this summer here in Las Vegas came on Philly over the total, Philly to win the division, Philly to win the conference, Philly to win the Super Bowl. And certainly we're seeing why all that sharp money came on the Eagles right about now. More with Prez when we come back. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's simple. Follow us on Twitter. At SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And, of course, you can follow today's guest, Lawrence Presman, on Twitter at Prez with a Z, P-R-E-Z, Prez Wager Talk uh, on Twitter. Uh, Lawrence, we were talking about early season NFL, and I want to ask you about statistics there are guys that I have on the show that are all about the stats, and it's all about statistical profiles. There are other guys that I have on the show that probably don't look at an NFL stat all year, and it's situations and spots and line value. Um, where do you fall into that category? And if stats matter to you in early season NFL, which ones matter the most? Yeah, so keep in mind in the in the first week of in the first month of NFL, I'm really looking to bet totals. Uh, one of the most important statistics for me, and I study drive charts, Teddy. So I'm interested in yards per play. Yards per play is absolutely crucial uh, because it gives you the identity of that team. When you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have the largest, the, the shortest yards per play out of any team in the league right now from a passing perspective. Under six yards a pass. I'm looking at, at that and using that as, as a way to help unders and overs. The second thing I'm looking at is turnovers, op, opposite to how most people see it. So for me, I'm, you know this, Teddy, I'm a poker player. And when you have a pair, you have a 12% chance of hitting a set. I'm all about the math. If a team uh, gets three turnovers one week, I am, I am going to look at them getting no turnovers the next week. Whereas a lot of betters would be, hey, that defense has the ability to create turnovers. They had two in week one, three in week two. Therefore, they're going to have more in week three. That is incorrect from my perspective. No team is going to average two to three turnovers a year. So I'm actually looking for them to take over on the turnovers. And if they have a lot of turnovers, I'm assuming they'll have less. And it's the same with that fourth down conversion. Teddy, in the last three or four years, everything has changed in betting football with that fourth and goal or the fourth and one or the fourth and two. So many coaches are going for it. And if you look at, for instance, the Chargers last year, they literally did not make the playoffs because they missed too many fourth and short. 
from a math perspective, you're going to get those fourth and shorts around 50% of the time. So if you miss them three times in a row, I am going to look at you getting them two of the next three times. So it's almost, it's almost a counterintuitive the way I look at turnovers and that absolutely crucial fourth short. But the bottom line for me is yards per play is the most important thing that I, that I get from betting early NFL. And you and I get to agree on this, Prez, because there's no more important stat for NFL betting, in my opinion, than yards per play. If you want to look at one stat, how good your offense is, how good your defense is, yards per play will tell that. And be very, very careful, you know, (laughs) very careful when you're talking about some of these mainstream stats. You know, you hear broadcasts talk about, oh, they have the league's number one offense or the number one defense. Yeah, that's, that's garbage. That's aggregate yards. That's not and, and, yards per play, and the aggregate is not what you're looking for. Anytime someone comes on and says that's the number one offense in the NFL, that's not a stat that's meaningful. Number one defense in the NFL, not a stat you can use to well, win football bets. Yards per play is a stat you can use to win football bets. You talked about the turnovers. I made a week two bet almost specifically because of the turnover battle. In week one, the Patriots were minus three in turnovers against Miami. And the Steelers were plus five. Were they plus five or yeah. plus four? Uh, I forget if they were plus five or plus four against it. They know they, 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 had, they created five turnovers in that game. I don't remember if they turned it over themselves. I think it was plus five because it was an eight turnover differential between the two teams off of one week. <laughs> now, yeah. when you're talking about bad teams in the NFL... They're going to lose the turnover battle more often than not. When you talk about good teams in the NFL, they're more likely to win the turnover battle. But these are two teams that are essentially neutral. It's not like the Steelers or the Patriots. One of these teams is way better than the other. And when you talk about Mitch Trubisky behind center for Pittsburgh, as we saw on Thursday night football this past week, when, again, the Steelers lost the turnover battle in that game as well, uh, it was, to me, very clear that there was a little bit of extra value on the New England side because of that eight turnover differential from week one. And obviously, it wasn't easy, it wasn't pretty, but the Patriots got the money against the Steelers in week two in large part, or at least in part of my thought process there, was that this is one game where the turnovers were such an outlier the last week that you'd expect them to come back to earth. Any any final thoughts on this before we move on? Well, I, I just want to say one final thought about this concept of number one offense, number one defense. What is the number one offense? The offense that puts up the most yards, the offense that puts up the most points. So, you know, to me, I do look at how many points an offense puts up. What I'm not interested in is how many yards, uh, especially passing yards, because my God, I mean, you could have a team was Colts down 24 nothing, uh, and let's say they're down three scores going into the second half. Well, that team potentially is going to have an enormous second half throwing the ball. So they might be the best yardage team in the air, but they're not putting any points on the board. And the other thing is that third down uh, completion percentage. Again, straight math. No team is going to convert three out of every. Oh, so if you have a game where you converted three thirds 
comes out of every 12, it is likely the next game you will convert seven out of those 12. Because math is math, and the average, it's one of those, it all comes back to the mean. I want to talk about special teams for just a minute, especially when it comes to the aggregate yardage. All right, we talk about the number one offense, the number one defense. If a team has good special teams, they're going to be pinning their opponents deep, which means their opponents are going to have a longer field to travel, which means their opponents on their scoring drives are going to, on average, gain more yards. Great special teams is making the defense look worse, which it isn't. (laughs) Similarly, offensively, if you have great special teams, you're going to be consistently getting the ball in better field position, which means you have shorter fields to travel, which means your aggregate yardage numbers are going to be lower, which means your offense is going to be underrated because of the special teams giving you the good field position. That's why yards per play, one more reason why yards per play is the much stronger stat as opposed to the aggregate yards. Uh, And the number one offense, number one defense, whenever a handicapper throws that at me, I already have an opinion about that handicapper, even if I don't even know him. So, Lawrence, uh, how does Lawrence Presman handicap the NFL? You know, uh, I mean, if you had to do an overview of what do you yep. look at, and I know, you know, we have like th- less than three minutes for the break, so you can't go on forever here, but give a little overview about, uh, like, you're, you're looking at the card for the first time. What are you going to look at? So, right off the bat, I, I'm looking to avoid big division favorites. So, and especially in the NFC East. So you have a situation this week where the contenders are uh, plus six and a half versus Philadelphia, and everybody wants to bet Philadelphia. You go back historically, it doesn't matter if Jeff Hofstadler, Phil Sims, Eli Manning, or Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the, the New York Giants. They are play their in-division rivals super close. So I'd like to look at, uh, at dogs for seven division. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm looking at right off the bat. But the way I handicap Teddy is simple. I guy. I literally watch every single game, start to finish, and I take notes. I'm paying attention to how long it takes for a team to, for a drive to end up being a touchdown. I'm looking at the yards per play. I'm looking at turnovers. I'm looking at special teams. And I'm looking at how the coaches react. Do you think Mike Tomlin is going to kick a field goal fourth and one down nine at the 30 every time he finds himself in that situation. That's an important thing to know. So those are the things I'm looking at, but I'm a seeing eye guy. I'm not a situational handicapper. I'm not interested in, oh, you know, it's a soft spot or a good spot or a bad spot. They played a rival last week. They have a rival in three weeks, and this is a sandwich game. That stuff doesn't interest me. I'm, I'm, I'm literally studying game film from the minute the games start till about Tuesday night. Yeah, I get, uh, I, I get texts from you sometimes on Sundays, and I have to turn the texts off. I know you're watching a lot of NFL, as am I. That's the beauty of the National Football. Because one thing about the NFL is that you can, you can track every team. You know, there's not like there's so many games that are going on that it's really hard to track everything. You know, in college football, especially for recreational betters, there's no way to track every team. 
In the pro sports, you can do that. In the NFL, if you're tracking every team and you got a good read on a handful of them, you should be able to make some money. When we come back with Lawrence President, we're going to talk about winning streaks. We're going to talk about losing streaks. We're going to talk about NFL rules. And yeah, I'm going to get a couple of picks from Lawrence. Uh, some opinions that are bettable for today. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I am not going to diss the SportsGrid radio network. Look, there's a ton of good programming. Uh, I'm a huge Marinci fan. Warren Sharp uh, uh, on the network. Uh, and just one uh, of many, obviously. We talk about Pharrell, a legend. Uh, a guy who I listened to growing up. Or not growing up, but early on in my sports betting uh, era as being one guy that would talk about gambling on air. There's a ton of great content on this network. That said, Lawrence, you do a daily show called Wager Talk Today. You do a weekly show called The Presidential Address. Talk about those shows, why you think they're good, and why uh, our audience might be interested as well. Yeah, so Teddy, the, the Wager Talk today, you can find it at uh, our YouTube channel, Wager Talk TV. It's live on YouTube uh, at noon Eastern to 1245 every day. Uh, it's in all the podcast uh, channels, uh, like companies. It's also on Hulu and, and everywhere else. Um, what I love most about Wager Talk today is that it is an entertainment, sports betting, lifestyle show. It is like no other show. There is a similarity to Pharrell and Morenci because both of those guys are world-class entertainers. And I'd like to think that you and I are similar to that. The show is incredibly informative. We have three guests on every day. We have at least eight um, pieces of what we would call actionable info. So eight bets for that night on every show. But also, just like Pharrell and just like Morenci, the show has humor. The show breathes. It is character. We talk about, you know, movies and TV shows and food. It's a, it's a bigger, more fun, and more entertaining show than most sports betting shows out there which are all numbers-driven and, frankly, from my perspective, impossible to look to. So what, what about so my – yeah? I was going to say, what about the presidential address? I know that's your weekly podcast. Uh, yeah. What do you do so, on that show? So the presidential address, firstly, it's the first show Wager Talk ever produced. This is its seventh year. It is – that show and your opening line report are number two tied for the second most watched show – on Wager Talk, on the Wager Talk channel. Okay, fine. Yours is number three and mine is number two. And what makes, what makes the presidential address so different to all others is I go down the board top to bottom. It's just me. It's a 30-minute show. I give you uh, bets on every single game, sides, totals, all my thoughts. I talk to you about how I'm looking at betting teams, so, for instance, when we're talking about the New England-Baltimore game, I'm very clear with everyone, not only do I like the under in that game, I like the under on every New England game. Uh, and it's a, a lot of fun. And the show also features Megan Payton. And I know that she hates being known as Sean Payton's daughter, 
but she is Sean Payton's daughter, and we're lucky to have her on that show. She comes on and she gives out some prop bets too. So there you go. You got a chance to promote your shows. Now let's promote some good picks and information for our audience right here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. I want to start this. I ask almost all my guests the same question. I think it's a good question. I know there are so many beginning betters out there, so we got to talk some theory. Do you have a rule or two for beginning NFL betters? And I know full well that rules are made to be broken. You kind of said something earlier, don't lay chalk in division games. Is that the rule you want to talk about here, or is there something else you want to bring up? No. For, you know, again, we're talking about newbies here. There are a lot of newbies. Let's help them out with a rule or two that will make NFL betting a little bit easier. Firstly, you feel free to lay chalk in division games, just not too much chalk. I have no problem you taking a minus two and a half. I have a lot of problems with you taking a minus six and a half. I'm going to tell you a couple of rules. Number one, and this is really indicative of the Detroit Lions. I'm really, when I said at the beginning of the show, I don't like to bet bad teams. I am interested in betting bad teams that can score. Bad teams that can score are money, Teddy. And the Detroit Lions, a team that has struggled to win games year after year after year, are an ATS covering machine. And the reason for that is they can score. And once the defense goes into prevent because they're up by 17 and, and the line is minus 11, you can count on Detroit walking down the field and putting a touchdown up and getting us that backdoor cover. Whereas I don't want you betting on teams like the Bears or Houston where once or Pittsburgh, where once they're down, they are going to struggle to catch that backdoor cover. That's number one. Number two, never buy a point, and I can, a half a point. And I cannot stress this enough. This is the biggest misconception in the marketplace. There is, people will say, well, what about if it's uh, minus three and a half? Should I buy it to three? No. You are going to pay 20 cents to buy from three and a half to three. And even in the old days when you only paid 10 cents to buy from three and a half to three, the amount of games, the the actual value is 8%. So it is only a minus three and a half to three. You're only going to push 8% of the time, yet you're spending 20 cents for that 8% gain. There, you don't buy minus seven and a half to seven. You don't buy plus six and a half to seven. There is never a good time to buy a half a point. I cannot stress that enough. It is a mathematically bad bet in the long run. And don't tell me, oh, well, I did it last week and it saved me. No. It's not about the outcome. It's about the math. And that is, that is the biggest mistake that I see amateur bettors making is buying those points. You're better off, Teddy. If it's minus three and a half, you're better off going to minus four and getting money than you are going back to three and giving money. So certainly when you're talking about the value of a half point, and one of the things we stress on this show a lot, I try to stress on this show every, every week, however many outs you have, 
is not enough. Every yeah, book yeah. that is legal in your state, you should have an account at that book. I don't care what, if you're going to open one account for 500, open five accounts for 100. And you'll be amazed, instead of buying half points, when you shop around, you don't have to pay anything for them. Because you just have, you have five books to choose from instead of one or, or two. And there's right. line variance over and over and over again. All right, Lawrence, let's get into some actionable info. All right. Give me, uh, let's, uh, give me a couple games you want to talk about uh, this weekend in NFL action. We'll go back and forth for a minute or two. Let's start with, uh, uh, I asked you to prepare two games. Give me your first one. Hey, sorry, you were in and out there. Can you, uh, you, you want me to give you my, for the first bet that I like? Yes, yes. I want you to give a couple of, well, I, I said we are going to ca- talk yeah. a couple of games. Uh, I asked let's you to prepare a couple of games, so let's... go. Let's talk Baltimore and New England, Teddy, because I find this total fascinating. Look, I'm betting the under in New England games as often as I can. I'm taking the under 44 in this game. Do you think this total would be 44 points if Baltimore didn't put up 35 points in the first half of the game against Miami? That's a fascinating question. Because when people are looking at that Miami-Baltimore game, all they're seeing is a score, 38-35. What they're not realizing is Baltimore didn't put up those 35 points over the whole game. They put them up at the beginning of the game, and then their offense went to shit. So I think the number would be around 40 if Baltimore put up, if Baltimore won that game against Miami 20-17. to I think it was an aberration, that 35 points from Baltimore. And therefore, I think we're getting probably four points of extra value. I like the under in New England and Baltimore. All right, let me argue with you on that for a minute, for the fun of it. And also, I mean, look, I'm not playing the Pats over the total. That being said, not until proven otherwise. That being said, the Ravens have cluster injuries in their secondary. The reason Miami yep. scored 35 on them after halftime last week is because Baltimore's got no healthy defensive backs. And it's hard for me to play unders when I know one team has no defense, healthy defensive backs. And that same team wants to chuck the ball along. Lamar Jackson played at an MVP level last week. He was unbelievable. He plays like that here. I worry about your under. One more game that you want to talk about, Lawrence. We're running short on time, so... Let me know what game you'd like to discuss, and then I'll uh, find something to argue with you about it, I'm sure. Yeah, so I'm looking to take the over in the Washington-Philadelphia game. You know, I'm looking at Philadelphia as a team that I think from an offensive perspective is almost unstoppable. Uh, the, The problem is that they are, that they do run the ball a lot, which slows the clock down. But this game originally opened up at 50, and now it's down. There are 46 and a halves on the board. There is a lot of value in taking the over. We have seen Washington week after week. Carson Wentz, yes, he is interception prone, but in the same regard, he is being he is able to get the ball downfield. They do have a decent wide receiving core. The team can move the ball. And Washington's defense, especially their secondary, is a disaster. Philadelphia is putting up somewhere between 24 and 31 points in this game. And based on the point spread, they are suggesting Washington will put somewhere between 17 and 24 points on the game. I like over the total of 47 points in that game. 
when it comes to team totals for that game, I'm seeing like 27, 27 and a half for Philly and 19 and a half for 20 exactly for what I just said. Washington. Yeah. So if you had to play one of those two team totals over, which one would it be? I would take Philadelphia over just because Washington secondary is so bad. And Philly uh, with A.J. Brown now and Jalen Hurts throwing the ball downfield. Philly put up three scores last week, I think 59-plus yards uh, in the air. So this is a team that can move the ball and move it fast. I like Philly team total over. Yeah, yeah, the Eagles certainly a team that are capable of picking up chunks of yardage, and that is not, Lawrence, an easy <laughs> defense uh, to an easy offense to defend, I should say. As you mentioned, right. the, the, the diversity of Philly's attack is pretty impressive, at least early on in the season. So uh, we're almost out of time, my friend. I want to let you promote yourself, where folks can find you, uh, what you have going on, etc., etc. Um, talk about. I know this is very easy for you, Lawrence. Talk about yourself for a minute. Well, I'm very handsome. Women line up for me when I go to the grocery store. Uh, take the under. Yeah, take the take under a half. In all seriousness, um, Teddy, you know I, I consider myself one of the best NFL betters around. It is it is NFL and NHL are my core sports. It's what I spend most of my time studying. Uh, you can find me at wagertalk.com. Uh, this Sunday, for instance, I have nine bets up for my clients. I I have one side, four totals, and for prop bets. Um, you can also find both you and I every day, YouTube, Wager Talk TV. Other than that, it's a pleasure that you had me on this show. It was super fun. I love the name. You are as good as it gets. Thank you. Yeah, Lawrence is very happy that he got off the show without me yelling at him even once. Uh, normally on our daily show, uh, we tend to, we, we have our moments. Let's just leave it at that. When we come back, yeah, I got a bettable opinion. Rams Cardinals coming up next. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, If you want to go back and re-listen to something we talked about earlier in the show, if you want to look at any of the shows from the archives, you want to watch yesterday's college football show or last week's NFL show or the Super Bowl show from two years ago, real simple. Go to anywhere where you download your podcasts and download Cover It with Teddy Covers. Just search Cover It and it'll pop right up. You can download and consume at your convenience. Every show I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network available for you to consume podcast style, including this one. I encourage you, check it out. Yeah, I got a bettable opinion for you today in the NFL. I'm seeing the Rams right now, minus three and a half on the road uh, in Arizona. Total 48 and a half. Kingsbury versus McVay. We have seven meetings since Cliffy got the job back in 2019. Those seven meetings. Now see the Rams have won 34 to 11, 30 to 23, 18 to 7, 38 to 28, 31 to 24, and 34 to 7. Arizona did win one of them in LA last year, 37-20. That's the only time in seven games against McVay's defense that Kyler Murray went off. Six of the seven point spreads in those games were right in this range. 
the plus minus three and a half, just like we're looking at uh, today. And one of them was minus seven. That was the push. So six and one straight up, five one and one ATS between these two coaches in favor of McVay. Arizona, home field advantage, right? How about this? The Cardinals are 0-6 straight up, 0-6 against the spread their last six home games, dating back to Thursday night football last year against the Packers midseason. There's no home field edge for Arizona. And don't think for a minute that Arizona's comeback last week, three fourth down conversions, two uh, two point conversions, uh, basically scoring 16 points out of thin air with Murray creating at the very end of the game. I'm not convinced that carries over. Note, they got the ball first in overtime and didn't score with the defense that had won the game. Give me L.A. minus the three and a half. I think that price is cheap. I think the Rams win by margin. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. Come back again next week. We'll do it again Saturday and Sunday here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.